So for longtime listeners of the Scruffy Stuff, hopefully you remember what was one of my favorite interviews here on the show featuring Briston Maroney, an artist from Knoxville who later moved to Nashville and since to Los Angeles who has blown up in recent years but made headlines here locally um, following a show at the Millet Mine that was cut a little bit short due to some fans who were heckling and what looks like Briston just having enough and, and walking off stage. And, you know, we recently talked here on the show about Big Ears, which is coming up, which we're going to talk about a little bit more today because today's topic is all about concert etiquette. Um, something that, Brianna, I know you have some personal uh, gripes with. I know I do too, as somebody who goes to a lot of shows. So I guess this is just a refresher course for anybody who has uh, you know, maybe not been to a concert in a while. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the COVID 19 pandemic and how that maybe changed attitudes at shows. But really just want to make sure that something like this, uh, you know, do what we can to make sure something like this doesn't happen again because um, everybody wants to enjoy the show that they paid money for. But before we get started, we should introduce ourselves. I am Ryan Willis, downtown reporter at Knox News. And I'm Brianna Pachorka, photojournalist at Knox News and producer of The Scruffy Stuff. And let me start by saying that this is by no means us trying to get on to anybody, right? We're no better than anybody else uh, at a concert. Maybe unless you're unless you're <laughs> unless you're acting like uh, people at this Briston show acted, and so I want this to be a positive conversation. And I guess Brianna, can we just start out with maybe some personal experiences? Um, I can go first, just because um, I had one that was very uh, shocking, I guess, um, at the Bijou Theater a couple years ago, and this was shortly after the COVID nineteen pandemic started, and right when shows were beginning to come back. The show was Citizen and Cope over at the Bijou Theater, an artist that I wasn't incredibly familiar with, but my wife was a fan of. Um, and, you know, prior to the show, I listened to uh, his music and, you know, it sounded like, you know, something pretty mellow, something that made sense for a theater, something, you know, a little bit more laid back. And, you know, when I uh, arrived at the show, it was quickly uh, apparent that this crowd was um, there for uh, what seemed like another reason. Uh, you know, I was really trying to enjoy the show. And it was one of the most um, striking moments I've ever had at a concert where it was just like, I mean, to the point where you could almost not even hear the music. Just the amount of people around us who were talking, who were shouting. Based on their shouts, it sounded like a lot of people perhaps were drinking, even their shouts were slurred. And just for that type of music in that type of intimate setting, I think the the setting is part of what made it so startling. It's just like, this is a nice theater in our downtown. This is an artist who, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, just played like solo with a guitar. Um, you know, so it was a quiet set by nature. And I remember, you know, um, Citizen Cope stopping during the show and, and, and addressing it as well. Almost felt a little like embarrassed, I guess, like that, you know, that there was a um, situation like this happening at like a show in, in, in my in my town. I don't know. So that was just one experience for me. And like I said, January 2022, shortly after concerts began coming back following the COVID-19 pandemic. And I want to talk about that um, a little bit more here in a bit, just how maybe that could have shaped the way people uh, have acted since shows have returned, um, the pandemic itself and being locked up and away. So, uh, but Brianna, I mean, I know you've had some similar experiences. Yeah, we're going to talk about just Knoxville shows. Uh, One that I had kind of a just bizarre kind of experience was I got really cheap last minute tickets to see Wilco at the Tennessee theater last April, uh, April, 2023. Um, and we went and the opener was the A's, which is just literally two women who sing like they didn't have like a backing band or anything. So it was a pretty like quiet 
opener, kind of fun and quirky, but you know, it, it's an opener. And there was a group of people that were kind of sitting um, in the next section over that just kept talking very loudly. And like, you can tell that people around them were getting really upset that they were talking to the point that they were like telling them like, shut up, shut up numerous times. And it was like noticeable, like everyone in the theater can like see them. And this is at the Tennessee theater too. So like, this is a nicer, you know, venue and everything. And then uh, Wilco came on. And if you don't know anything about Wilco, you know, it's kind of like 40 year old dad rock kind of stuff. It's not, yeah, (laughs) it's not like overly loud, but it's not quiet either. And uh, these two women sat down next to us and proceeded to have full out conversations like loudly throughout the entire set. And it had nothing to do with the music. They were literally just talking about work and about their, you know, boyfriends and friends and all this stuff. And I, you know, I kept turning over to them and just like staring at them and they just couldn't quite get the hint that like their conversations are, you know, budging into other people's enjoyment of the concert and everything. And it was just kind of like, you know, again, I only pay $10 for these tickets, but you know, I'm there to listen to the band play. I don't want to hear your conversations. Like, this is not a place for you to be catching up and gossiping and talking about work and everything. You're there to listen to the band play, and so is everyone else. Yeah, I remember you and I went to that Wilco show at the Bijou Theater. Didn't have that quite that same experience, it sounds like, at the Tennessee Theater, which shows, I mean, it just, it just depends on the night, right? But I think one of the most shocking things about what you just said is, how the heck did you get $10 tickets to a Wilco show? I know. It was literally last minute. And I saw that and, you know, I texted my boyfriend. I'm like, hey, I don't care what you're doing tonight. I just bought these tickets. Let's go. And we went. And Love it was it. a great show. So. Well, well, you know, this is like purely anecdotal. But as somebody who goes to a lot of shows, talking about myself, and I know that applies to you as well, um, purely anecdotal again. I feel like I have noticed that the crowds in Knoxville are just a little bit different than other places I've been. And I don't want to, you know, talk badly about my own city. Um, but it does, it, it does kind of seem like I've noticed more talking during shows, more just, um, you know, talking is fine, but loudly talking during shows, more people just getting a little sloppy at shows. And again, you know, a good portion of my time in Knoxville wasn't a post pandemic uh, world or, you know, in a pandemic world. Right. And so, Certainly, I know that that could have something to do with it. You know, I think for me, uh, I, I think, you know, and probably everybody noticed this to an extent. And today we're just talking specifically about concerts. But there was a little bit of that, right? I mean, when you come, you know, you've been locked up in your house for a year and you come out. And I, I know that I felt a little bit awkward in terms of like how to socialize. Like it, it was it was sort of a surreal feeling. So I get you know, perhaps uh, getting back to a show and just being excited. And, you know, we've been without live music for a very long time. But now we're in 2024 and and we're talking about this situation that happened at the Bristol Maroney concert. Um, Just a, um, you know, a one-off incident, but something that got attention because of sort of a viral TikTok video that was going around. Um, And from what I understand, uh, this situation was over at the Mill and Mine, so standing room only venue, um, that there was just a guy or perhaps guys that were just screaming from the moment that the concert started, even at the opener. Shouts for Free Bird, which I want to talk about song requests at concerts here in a second. Um, Just uh, screaming vulgarities. And, you know, TikTok was later posted by the same user that showed um, Briston reacting to, you know, maybe not the final Free Bird request, but either the first one or there were multiple one in between being cool about it and so the the first tiktok video that you saw was him walking off stage this was like the culmination of things that have already been happening throughout the show but uh let's talk about Freebird for a second first of all haha ha. we get it it's funny it's been funny since like 
the late seventies. Not 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 so funny anymore. Um, but I wanted to talk about it just because uh, you know it came up in my reporting that this song that Briston was playing or was about to play was called Rose. Uh, and if you ever go to the website setlist.fm, um, it's sort of a fan-driven website where people post the shows that are played at concerts. And so if you're going to a show, you can go back and look and see what songs artists typically play. This, this is not scientific, but I say nine times out of ten, right? You look at these set lists, and on a tour, they're going to be pretty much the same. You know, they're doing this every night. They don't have time to be switching it up every single night. Some bands do. Some bands do. Um, Wilco does. Yeah, Wilco does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we saw back-to-back nights of Wilco. I don't know if you went both I nights at the Bijou. There was, only, there was not a single song, you know, crossover between the two sets. But, you know, it's typically the same thing every night. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, maybe people don't realize that, but there's, they're taking you on a journey. They know where they're going. If they're going to play Rose, they're going to play Rose. If they're not, they're probably not. And if they are, you got to wait for them to get to it because there is a set list. This is a real thing, and they're typically the same at every show. And they usually set up their songs a certain way for a reason. And usually they like to put their bigger songs towards the end of the set. So you're going to have to wait to hear those more popular songs. That's just how it is. Like, I can't think of many artists who play their biggest songs in the first half. Yeah. Or maybe they start with the big song and end with the big song. You know, sometimes that happens. You know, play nice. You know, just be patient. Maybe you'll even get a set list if you're, if you're nice. I mean, they throw them out after the show. You talked about them sort of taking you on a journey and playing your big songs at the end, which, by the way, don't request songs that they're never going to play anyways. I remember oh. I saw Cage the Elephant, like, just a few years ago, and somebody in the crowd was yelling, play James Brown, which is like like a deep, deep cut off their first album that came out in 2009. Like, dude, do you think you're going to, you know, be the one that convinces them to play this song they haven't played in forever? Yeah. But... Yeah, I wanted to talk about this, too, because um, I always tell people one of my favorite classes that I took in college was art and culture of the DJ. And I cringe a little bit inside, even though a lot of people probably don't realize this when I see people going up, um, not at a concert necessarily, but at a club and requesting a song from a DJ for the same reason. DJs might not have a set list that's predetermined, but they have a goal with the songs that they're playing. It's not just, you know, I remember my professor always telling me, you know, for every person that says, play this song, I love this song. There's 10 people in the crowd that hate that song or that don't want to hear it. Right. And so it's just that entitlement of thinking that you're special. And also it's the it's it's sort of the arc that they're taking you on. Like DJ specifically play songs that they know people aren't going to like sometimes because it encourages people to go to the bar. And it's sort of they're sort of the director of the of the whole room. And so the same thing could be said about a concert. Don't be yelling out song requests because they are an artist. You're paying to see their art. And part of their art is organizing their set list and playing their songs in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Like don't don't shout out song requests unless the artist specifically like ask or kind of implies that they'll take it. Because like I've been to some shows where the musician's up on stage and they're just kind of strumming around and want to see what crowd wants because they'll take like one or two requests. But that's not... That's not an every show kind of deal, you know, so. Which to the artist, uh, be careful doing that too, because yeah. it was either the Citizen <laughs> Cope show or maybe it was a Todd Snyder show at the Bijou Theater. I feel like I saw both of them around the same time, so they're kind of blurring together. But I remember, um, uh, you know, somebody was shouting out a, a song request and uh, the artist, whichever one of those two it was that was performing, was like, y'all want to give me some requests? What do y'all want to hear? And then everybody started you know, screaming and it was just like a one off like joke, but open up a can of worms, right? Where like the rest of the show people are shouting and think that they have this right to do it. So as an artist, be careful about that too for any uh for any touring artists out there listening to the scruffy stuff right now. Also, I don't think people understand how cringy it kinda is. Like if you're not the person requesting it and you're just sitting there like listening to other people yell out stuff, it's just so cringy and awkward and 
yeah. a lot of secondhand embarrassment. Right. You know? right. Yeah, the opposite of FOMO. Like, I wish I was missing out on yeah. this right now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, now comedy is a different situation. Now, granted, really shouldn't yell out of the comedy show either for the same reason they have a set list. Although a lot of times um, early on um, when they're working out their set list, they might be playing around a little bit more and interacting with the crowd. I, I wish... Um, there was a way that musicians had a tool that comedians do that when people yell out that they could just destroy them verbally um, because that's what happens at, at comedy shows uh, Although, and it works out. I wouldn't be surprised if it eventually gets to the point like, you know, I saw the TikTok with Briss and Maroney and I kind of wonder if that's going to egg on people to start doing that more just to get that reaction because some people do this stuff just for the reaction. So I wonder if, you know, musicians are going to start preparing for that a little bit more and to just call out these people, embarrass them and stuff too. So. Yeah, and I don't know how prepared Briston was for the situation. Probably in a hometown show, you wouldn't think that you would deal with this sort of stuff. And, and what Briston said, um, I think was totally professional in the way that he handled it too. It was like, you know, um, it sounds like this stuff was going on throughout the show and Briston way to the end to the final song. Sounds like people were still shouting. And he essentially said, Hey, listen, you know, I grew up in this place. I grew up around people, um, who try to make other people feel small, who just could come into a room and draw attention to themselves without any you know, repercussions. And I get that you're trying to have fun, but this is not the time or the place. And I don't think it makes much sense to play another song right now. That's what you see in the video now, knowing what the context of this has been happening throughout the entire show, you know, props to Briston, um, for probably not being prepared and handling it like he was, but, you know, talking about concert etiquette, you know, you talked about the Tennessee Theater being such you know a nice, nicer venue in the terms of like it's just a little fancier. It's our grand entertainment palace. What uh, what has been your experience? Is there any sort of etiquette differences that you've noticed depending on the venue, or what do you what would you say is the best venue to see a show in terms of crowds, or does it depend on the artist? I think it kind of depends on the artist, but I do think standing room only venues tend to bring more of like a casual kind of crowd because you know if you go to the Tennessee theater like obviously depending on where your tickets are the price changes so if you're sitting up towards the front then you probably pay the highest amount of money there if you're in the back you probably pay the least amount of money standing room show it's typically all one price so you don't have as much of an investment in a standing room show as much. And it's more of like a club feel like, you know, you have several bars in the back to get, you know, drinks and, you know, maybe at like the mill of mine, there's like outdoor areas where you go smoke and maybe hang out in between, you know, sets and everything. And I don't know. I think standing room only venues tend to one be cheaper, which, you know, broadens the type of people who will come out, but also it just kind of lends itself to be in a more social atmosphere than say a, a sitting venue. Right. It's kind of that we're all in this together mindset too, right? It's like, we've all paid the same amount of money to be here. We all paid money to be here. So we're all excited to see this artist in a way. I agree with you. And in a way, um, you know, it kind of doesn't make sense when you, when you, if you just think about it on the surface, like how is a standing room uh, venue going to be the most welcoming venue when you think about oh we're standing the whole time we can't even get comfortable people are right up on top of each other i think when you go into that environment you expect that is the difference and so when you're in a theater and you're paid money for your seats like you said and you're sitting right next to somebody who's talking um somebody might talk just as much at, at a show at the mill and mine i'm a little bit more lenient because one i feel like i'm like really immersed in the concert because we're all standing there together and two i knew what i was signing up for and three i can you know Hopefully they find some other space to watch the show. But if needed, if it gets bad enough, I can walk away too. The theater shows, um, 
yeah, they're, they're seating, but you're right on top of each other, too. It's like the weird in-between being comfortable, but also being uncomfortable and not having much room, I think, um, I think hurts uh, the theaters a little bit. Well, I think that, again, going back to the point of, you know, there's usually different prices for different sections of a theater. Your hardcore fans are more willing to pay more money to sit at the front. So you're going to get people who are there, like really wanting to see the artists they really care about it they're going to be a lot more respectful than say maybe like the people like who bought last second tickets off a of StubHub for ten dollars like they don't have the investment they're just there because it was a cheap thing to do you know so um not that you don't have like your hardcore fans at the front of the show at a standing room only venue but sometimes more so like you got there early to get that yeah spot. and you waited for a long time but Again, like, I mean, you look at some of these shows at, like, the Tennessee Theater, some of those, like, front row seats are very expensive compared to stuff in the very last rows on the first floor or up in the balcony. So I think it kind of attracts different kinds of fans and yeah. everything. Yeah. Pro tip, by the way, if you're ever buying seats, always use the map tool. This is just a, a piece of advice that you never asked for <laughs> because I feel so bad for people because I, I purposely buy tickets the first row in the section where the price drops and i feel so bad sometimes i'm at a concert like standing behind a guy and you know he's talking about maybe three hundred dollars for these tickets i'm like to be like one seat in front of me dude sorry so (laughs) just pro pro tip but going back to you know the more expensive seats that we were talking about and going back to what you said about StubHub and buying tickets from resale and to tie this all back into knox news coverage you know i recently had a conversation with tom bug who retired as the tennessee theater and the bijou theater manager after many years and had a big hand in helping revitalize those theaters into the community assets that we know today i didn't realize this but tom was talking about you know how he actually kept an eye on people who bought tickets if people bought large quantities of tickets from out of town you know he kind of realized that maybe this is a scammer and they would freeze those tickets and contact them and try to get the best people you know people who are actually going to be at the show and are not just trying to make a quick buck doesn't sound like your uh people were trying to make a quick buck it was just uh ten dollar tickets probably just to uh pay for their inconvenience of not being able to go but the reason I bring this up is just because Tom was talking to me about like, you know, these reselling of tickets has actually led to higher ticket prices from what he's experienced in the sense of, you know, bands are seeing that, wow, our tickets are being resold for three times the value. Why don't we sell them for three times the value? There's obviously people out there who are willing to pay for it. And so when you go into a show and I had this happen recently, um, actually at a wrestling show over at the Coliseum where people in front of me and I, there's a chance I misheard them, but I paid $20 for my seats at this wrestling show. And there were three people who walked in in front of me who said that they paid two hundred dollars for what? theirs. What? What? Now maybe it was two hundred dollars for all three. Even then, that's still a lot that's more. That's like money. yeah, it's still like fifty dollars more per ticket. And so, and I'll tell you what, they bought them off scalpers outside, and they came in and they were not in a good mood that they just spent two hundred dollars. Only one person wanted to pay, and the other person didn't. And, and so, you know, the scalping aspect of it all kind of adds another layer of just, I don't know takes the attention off the music and about the excitement of being on the show when there's you know um this whole other level of trying to secure tickets and obviously we could have a whole podcast episode about all the things going on with Ticketmaster, um but we are not going to talk about that today one thing i do want to talk about though before we wrap up and actually two things one is cell phones at concerts which um i don't know i mean it's 2024 are we really going to get rid of cell phones at concerts is it even worth it it's never going to happen no 
and I, I don't, it doesn't matter either is what I'm really asking. Yeah, there is a way to get rid of it. We're going to talk about that in a second. You know, I've, I've been to some, you know, comedy acts where they make you put your phones in a pouch and like, honestly, like I get it, but it's also a pain and I hate dealing with that. So I don't think I would ever go to a concert where that was a thing because I just don't want to put my phone in some grimy little pouch and everything yeah that's interesting i mean that's what i was going to talk about some of the efforts that i've seen here locally um to get phones out of shows comedy shows with the pouches uh, i had a iphone or have an iphone 10 xr i believe is what it's called with an outer box on it so they had to go get me the uh, extra big pouch from the back to be able to fit my phone in it I, I i didn't mind it just as something to be but to to be thinking about and when you're buying tickets to shows obviously concert etiquette 101 before you even get to the show check the policies before you get there because nobody wants to be waiting in line while you argue with security about why you can't bring your uh, person when there's clearly a clear bag policy but the other part of that the phones aspect of it like be prepared if it's a phone free experience i think we've been seeing i feel like we saw more of it and then it kind of went away uh, and then maybe it's coming back i don't know i've seen it at a few like you said comedy shows more so than others um yeah i mean phone etiquette I guess it's hold your phone up for the entire show. Turn your brightness down. Yeah. You know, turn your phone volume off. The other thing I was going to say too is nobody really cares that follows you about seeing every single song. Um, Either they wish they were there or, and you're making them upset or they do not care. Take a Um, picture. Yeah. Take a picture. I, I actually do take, I usually limit myself, especially, you know, I go to music festivals a lot. One video per set, you know, and like a 30 second video, capture the chorus. You know, and then take a photo and then enjoy it, man. It's, 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 you know, you paid money to be there. I'm going to sound like an old, you know, guy that's just complaining, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it goes a long way in helping with the whole experience for everyone. And speaking of old guys and music, <laughs> the last thing I wanted to talk about was big ears, which is just, it's just a joke. I mean, it does typically draw a larger crowd here. It draws an international crowd here. Uh, and it's coming up um, in March, which is very exciting. Uh, kind of snuck up on me this year. We just published over at Knox News that Andre 3000 Ooh. will be doing um, not an outcast set. Hopefully you've heard the new flute album, All Flute. Five performances over four days, uh, sort of a residency with some separately ticketed shows that are only available to Big Ears pass holders. But I'll tell you, and you talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I don't remember the podcast. I think we were talking about Big Ears, actually, I guess, just specifically about Big Ears and Bonnaroo. Big Ears crowds are like what you should hold up as the standard. Yeah. Right? The best. The um, best. Yeah. And, and, and especially like you as someone who's you know, going around from show to show a lot more. I think you probably bounce around more than I do. Um, so you've seen it all. Um, how would you describe those big ears crowds? Yeah, they're there for the music. They care about the music. They care about the artists, even if they don't really know much about the artists, they care about it. They um, are very aware of how their movements kind of affect other listeners at the show like to the point that like you know i'm a photographer i'm not there to see the entire set i'm there to take a few photos get out and it's it's kind of like where sometimes i even feel bad like moving around because it's such a respectful audience that are so like into the music that you feel like any any movement or any camera shutter sound that you make is like going to make people upset you also, know a lot so. of those bigger shows are a little quieter too <laughs> yeah. right i mean you have a yeah. lot of just like solo people doing weird stuff up on stage with a yeah. single instrument no yeah they're always very attentive i think i talked about on the last episode that we discussed biggers on that it's so attentive to the point that somebody yelled at my mom to tell her to turn her phone off even though it wasn't her phone i had to stand up for my mama uh which i'll <laughs> always do uh 
I just say that because I think she listens to the podcast still. So just trying to. Hi, Ryan's mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and part of it is that they traveled to be there, right? And they paid a lot of money to be there. A lot. Um, and so, yeah, they're going to make the most of it. A little bit different than what you see with the summer festivals um, where, you know, it's outside, it's hot, it's a little bit more of a party atmosphere. And a younger crowd, too, typically. And a younger crowd. Yeah, I've heard the Big Ears is kind of the Bonnaroo for NPR listeners. Uh, uh, Gina Kelly of Kiss Caboose was the one who co- <laughs> coined that uh, phrase or told me that phrase. So, shout out to another... Uh, podcast listener <laughs> um, but I did just want to say I mean you know the thing about festival crowds is um, you know even if there is a rough crowd um, you usually still see musicians power through those situations I'm um, just kind of weird it's like you know thinking about how much power a musician really has to walk off stage and stand up for themselves it's not that much it takes it takes a lot to do that because if you think about you know the situation like briston you know everybody there paid money specifically to see you and so i imagine there's that dilemma of do i walk away these people are here for me then when you're on the festival side of things and you're playing for a show those people aren't there for you they, they paid for you know the full festival experience but you still have these people captive for the moment and you want to make the most and of your you show probably have more obligation to the festival as yes well. so um it's all complicated stuff but the moral of the story really this uh 20 30 minute podcast uh just to sum it up in one sentence just be better at concerts that's 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 our biggest advice just think about how you would you know how you would act how you would want people to act if you were up there on stage doing whatever it is that you do. Um, I would love to hear some of the experiences, though, of our listeners. Um, and if you would like to share those with me, feel free to reach out on Instagram at Scruff or send me an email to ryan.wilusz at knoxnews.com. Uh, any final thoughts, Brianna? Keep your conversations at concerts till afterwards, please. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and speaking of conversations, we will be back next week with another one here on the Scruffy Stuff. And to make sure you do not miss that episode, go ahead and hit that like or subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on so you get a notification every time a new episode drops. Leave us a review, five stars if you would. Tell us what you love about the show and what you would like to hear us talk about next. And don't forget to check that podcast description for links to some of the stories that we're talking about, as well as links to the Urban Knoxville Facebook group and the Urban Knoxville newsletter. Both are free resources that get you even more plugged in with what's going on in and around downtown Knoxville. As always, the Scruffy Stuff is brought to you by Knox News, so head on over to subscribe.knoxnews.com to take advantage of of our latest offers and sign up to support local journalism today. A subscription gets you unlimited access to all of our downtown news and news across East Tennessee. Everything from politics to entertainment to dining and nightlife to schools and politics. Maybe I said politics already. I don't know, but we're gearing up for election season here at Knox News. So anyways, this has been a pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. As I said, we'll be back again next week and we'll see you at the show. Hopefully not hear you at the show. We will see you there. Stay scrappy.